Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 4, Episode 17, we talked to Hannah Schirmerhorn about her new book, A Single Life to Live. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Tim Babbler, joined as always by my co-host, Drew Sonnenberg. And Drew, this week we got to talk to another author on the podcast, ones we don't get often, but um, in our circles, we, you and I personally don't know many authors. So um, how you actually are the one who brought up Hannah as a recommendation. How did you hear about her? Yeah, we got to give a huge shout out to my friend, Jeremy, who is a really good friend of Hannah's and is a coworker of mine. He mentioned to me a few months back that she was working on this book and uh, was kind enough to re-remind me now that it's it's coming up on publishing soon. So we wanted to talk to her now uh, as we get closer to the publishing date on her book. And yeah, we, we were super excited to hear from her and she had so many great insights too. And it's always fun talking to people we haven't talked to before. It's truly expanding our circles. And that's how we, we get recommendations from people we've had on the podcast as well. We love talking to people who are doing creative things and they're there's a lot of times that people feel like they're not good enough to be like, oh, no, I'm not doing something that creative. Like, I know the people you've had on the podcast and I'm not that good. Right. And there's also people who, uh, like Hannah said, she hates listening to herself. So she's not going to listen to this podcast. But even if even if you think that you're not going to be good at it or at being on the podcast or whatever, rest assured, we try to make it as pain-free and as anxiety-free as possible. Um, so we'd love to hear from you and, and hear what you're working on. So feel free to reach out to us as always. Let's get right into that interview with Hannah. Today, we are excited to welcome to the podcast, Hannah Schirmerhorn. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For our guests who may not be familiar with you, uh, could you briefly introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, my name is Hannah Schimmerhorn, as said, and I recently actually quit my job to be an author full-time and write full-time, so God's kind of blowing my mind and the fact that that is a possibility now. So basically, I do speaking, I do a lot of writing, and right now I am working on the upcoming launch of my new book, which is coming out on Valentine's Day. Awesome. So obviously, we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about your book today, but just for starters, uh, could you give the elevator pitch for your book? What's it about? Yeah, so my book is called A Single Life to Live, and I basically wrote this book to uplift and encourage single people. So it's supposed to help single people who are struggling with the many, many hard things of being single so that they can read this and feel peace and feel joy and feel happy about where they are in their lives right now and what God has planned for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And a lot of times when we have authors on the podcast here, I like to start with a very tongue-in-cheek question, which is, what gives you the right? <laughs> uh, because we, we have lots of different creative people on the podcast. And, you know, if you're a songwriter and you ask your friend to, like, listen to the thing you just made, they listen for, like, four minutes and then it's done. But you wrote a book. So when you go to your friends, you're like, hey, take hours of your life to read this for me, would you? So what what made you think... Yeah, maybe I should write a book. What 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 
inspired you to to go into this sort of creative endeavor? <laughs> this is a very funny question to me because I feel like every single time I sit down to write, I ask myself this question. And it's a thing <laughs> where I have imposter syndrome where I'm like, who am I to be writing this book? You know, who do I think I am? Who's going to actually read this? So this is actually, actually something that I just think about all the time. So the, I guess, higher level answer to the question, I'll give a higher level one and then, you know, very specific to my book. I feel like I really struggle of like, will anyone even read this? Does this even matter? But then before I write, I always listen to this song that's called No Longer Slaves that says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And I remind myself, oh yeah, I'm a child of God. God's going to help me through this. God's going to help me with this. And whether it's just me writing so that I personally get something out of it, or maybe one person reads so that they get something out of it, that's up to God. That's not up to me. So I always have to remind myself that before I sit down and write. And now, even though I've written a book and it's gotten published, I still have to remind myself of that. (laughs) So (laughs) that is something that, yeah, that I feel like it just never goes away. But specifically to this book, basically when I was in college, I was in a relationship and toward the end of college after dating for a bunch of years, um, I got engaged and we're excited to get married and move on to the next stage of our lives. But then just a couple months before we were going to get married, we got these books from our photographer and it was these books that said, how well do you know your fiance? And they had his and her books. So we went through the question. Questions and we started answering them. And there's this one weirdly serious question in the book of my fiance has gotten over an addiction. And I was like, yes, he has. This is great. He's made so much progress. He's doing so well. Because I knew that he struggled with an addiction when we started dating. And we had talked about the fact that we didn't want to get married until we kind of got past that. And we knew that that wouldn't be an issue in marriage. But then when I answered this question from the book, he's like, actually, it never went away. And I'm dealing with it. And it's a lot worse than it's ever been. And it was really hard for me to hear that, especially very close to getting married. So we tried to make it work, but as the stress increased, the addiction just got worse and worse and worse. And it kind of reached a state where it was affecting me so much. I had bad depression and anxiety. I was having panic attacks, all sorts of things that just weren't good. So we decided to take a break for a little bit and figure out, like, should we still get married? Should we still be in a relationship? All of those things. And then one time when we were getting back together, he basically said that everything was my fault. What he was doing was not a sin and that other people would be accepting of the way that he was. So that was a huge thing for me that was actually very helpful to see like, nope, I shouldn't be in this relationship anymore. This needs to end. And we ended our relationship and I was super devastated because I thought in a couple months I'm going to get married. But all of a sudden I was thrown into the state of being single and I did not expect to ever have to be single again in my life. So I was just very upset and bitter and angry about being single. I did not even want to think about dating again. And it was really, really hard for me for a long time. I think I was single about like six years in this whole span of things after that happened. And I was super bitter. But then many years later, like four years later, my circumstances hadn't changed. I was still single, but I realized that for some reason I was happy. I didn't care anymore. Like I wasn't angry and upset and bitter about all those things. It was like, I'm single and my life is awesome. And I can live this way every day for the rest of my life. And whether I'm in a relationship or get married, like that doesn't 
doesn't matter. I am so happy with where my life is. So I sat down on a wall and just made post-it notes of basically everything that had changed my mind from being bitter and upset and singleness to like what made me super happy about it. And it was a lot of different devotions and Bible studies and sermons and meeting people that changed my mind. So I went through all that and I outlined it and was like, I have enough for a book. So I'm going to write this book. And that's what I did. (laughs) That's kind of a a big leap too of having, obviously you have that circumstance happen to you and it's not something you'd wish on anyone, but obviously better you found out when you did and, and God gave you the opportunity to, to learn and grow from it. Yeah. Where do you go from, from writing post-it notes to, to just saying, I have a book, like, how does that just happen? Cause I know there are other people that said the same thing. Like, yeah, I just had all these notes and I'm like, there's a book here. And I for one, could just not, I, that's something I can't fathom. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was very hard to, and it wasn't necessarily obvious to me from the beginning. I am like a very logical by the book kind of person. And I feel like I used to think that there are certain rules for my life of how I had to live my life. Like you graduate and then you get married and then you get a job. And then like, maybe you have kids if that's a possibility. And like, this is how you do things. So my background is actually electrical engineering, which has nothing to do with writing. (laughs) And I thought like, I got a job, I pursue this career, you know, I do well in my career. And I always kind of like to write, but I thought that was just a hobby and a type of thing that I shouldn't put a lot of effort into. Like I should be focusing on my actual career. So in my mind, I had this idea for a book for a long time and I would meet people who really made it apparent, like other people are struggling with things I struggled with and they could really, you know, benefit from the lessons that I learned. So I met person after person, like first I had one friend who was Christian and then him and his girlfriend broke up and then he became not Christian because he just thought like, if God is all powerful and he can do anything, why can't he make this situation work? So like God must not exist because he should have done something. So I met him and I was like, oh man, if only you knew, if only you understood. And that kind of pushed me. And then I remember being on a plane once and I was sitting next to this lady who married a guy who worked on the shuttle to go to the moon, which is crazy. And she had this very full, awesome life where she had kids with this guy, married, wonderful marriage. And he recently passed away and she was on the plane like two years later, just telling me like, yeah, I need to get out there and start dating again. You know, it's it's what I need to be doing. And I'm like, you've led a full life. Like you don't need to have this pressure of getting in a relationship again. And you're so much older than me. How are you feeling this too? So I had like all of these experiences And then funnily enough, like the experience that made me write a book is that one time I went to this John Foreman concert and he's the lead singer of Switchfoot, but he also has his own music. And he made this documentary called 25 and 24. And it's this documentary where he tried to do 25 concerts in 24 hours. And he just went through California and did all these different concerts in that amount of time. And it was incredible. And everyone thought he was crazy. And it was this insane dream. But he's like, no, God placed this dream on my heart and let's see what happens with it. Like, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to work or what's going to happen. But as he did this, it was just incredible, all the things that happened. And it was just like this crazy dream he decided to pursue. So I watched this documentary and then he had his concert and they gave out these sheets of paper at the end of the concert that said 25 and 24. My dream is... And when I saw that paper, I was like, my dream is to write this book and I need to do it. So it was basically that concert that I went to in Madison that pushed me to finally decide, like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to take all these ideas and I'm going to write my book. And I'm so glad I did. That's that's super cool to hear. One thing that struck me as I was reading it was 
how it seems almost paradoxical, but like it, I found that there were so many of the things that you were talking about applied not just to singleness, right? That mm -hmm. it applies to any any situation in your life where you think it's not going like picture perfect, like everyone thinks life is going to go, right? So yeah. even if you do get married, but like you struggle with having kids or something like that, mm -hmm. that it, all of these things you're talking about apply to so many different situations. But also at, on the other side of the coin, like it's very specifically about being single, right? And I thought that was being, that was super interesting because there are so many other, you know, groups or books or whatever out there about like if you, you struggle with having kids or about, you know, these other things that, you know, may not, not be going so well in your life. Whereas everyone, as you kind of mentioned in the introduction of the book, like everyone just thinks like, well, everyone will get there eventually, right? Like mm -hmm. it, you know, once you, you reach a certain point now, all your friends are going to help you and set you up on all these blind dates and all this stuff. And so they don't really think of it as, as something that you need to write this book about, right? It's just like, well, we just need to fix you. Yes, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Definitely. And I think though, with that, it's very encouraging because I feel like being happy and being single is actually a pretty hard thing, to be honest. So if you can be happy being single, that's laying a foundation for being happy in anything you face in life. So I think like I wrote it very specifically to singleness because I didn't find a lot of resources that were helpful to singleness when I was looking for them. And I was like, man, this is a missed opportunity. But I think like, yeah, I, the first person who read my book was obviously my mom because she was the first one I trusted. Like, <laughs> hey, I wrote a book. Do you want to read this? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course, where other people I'd just be way more afraid to send it to. And she said the same thing where she's like, I've been married for, you know, 30 plus years and it's still applicable to what I'm going through. So that's super encouraging. Like God's word obviously works for any season that we're in. What a surprise. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so after you had this idea and you actually wrote the book, how do you go about, well, how did you go about the publishing? I guess, like, did you contact different publishers? Do you have a specific publisher in mind? Did you have to send manuscripts to people? Yes. Yes. That has been a process and it's something I'm still learning as I go through it. So when I started this, I started this book about four years ago, I was recently thinking about. So it took me about a year to actually write the book. And then what you have to do is you have to send proposals to agents and then also publishers. So some publishers will take your proposal just as an author, but then some of them, you need an agent to represent you. So I started going through that. So I spent about a year working on my proposal. It was like a 60 page document. That's a business plan of how you're going to sell your book and how it compares to other books and things like that. I basically made a list of everyone I wanted to send it to. And there's specific things that, that are like, they only use a certain version of the Bible, but I wanted to use a specific version of the Bible. So I didn't want to go with those publishers, things like that, that were important to me. And I started sending it to all these publishers and agents. And honestly, I did not hear back from a single one, which was very discouraging. So I was doing that. And then one of my favorite authors, Lisa Turkers, she had this book proposal boot camp where she was going to take 10 weeks and go through how she does book proposals. And then at the end of 10 weeks, Thomas Nelson, her publisher was going to publish two out of a hundred people that were accepted into this class. So I got into the class, which was super cool. They said like a thousand people applied or something and they chose a hundred. So I was like really stoked to get into that. 
And then I basically made it through the entire class, sent in my proposal, and I did not get chosen as one of the two people to get published. So I was like, man, okay, I thought that might be the opportunity, but I guess not. So I kept on sending my proposal off to agents, to publishers, things like that, didn't really hear anything. And then one day, someone from church, Bethany, who is actually um, a person who works at Time of Grace, she was like, hey, we need some more stuff on singleness, so maybe you want to plug into Time of grace. And then she connected me to Bruce Becker, who I also knew from church. And we talked about my book and Bruce was like, Hey, the thing that you need is an agent. And we have an agent for Mike Novotny. So maybe you could talk to that agency and then get an agent to represent you. So he connected me to that agent. I got them, which was really, really exciting. I signed with them and then they sent my proposal off to different publishers. And for me, I had like my dream publishers in mind, but I'm like, this is my first book. We'll see what happens. Normally you have to be pretty famous. Like they're like, do you have 20,000 followers on Facebook? Yes. Then we'll publish you. And I'm like, whoa, I got like 50. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not even close. So my agent was like, we'll send it to, you know, kind of the top Christian publishers first. And I have no idea what's going to happen. So let's try it. And then, you know, we'll go down in the list from there and figure out what to do. So we sent it to the first ones and I did receive a lot of really encouraging feedback back of like, we love your book, but you're just not famous enough. So keep building your platform and you can get there eventually. But I did have one publisher, Baker, and they called me and it was very incredible. So Basically, if you want your book to get published traditionally like this, you have to get an editorial person to like your book, an acquisition editor normally, and then they present it to an editorial board and it has to get through that board. And if they all agree that this book is good enough to get published, then it goes to um, another board, which is the executive board. And then they all have to argue and debate and decide if it's going to make enough money and get sales and all of those things. And then it gets published. So it's got to get through these couple of levels. So mine was about to go to the executive board. And she called me and she said that she had a post-it note on her desk about wanting a book about being single and being happy. And she thought that my book was the one. So she's like, tomorrow it's going to go before the board and we really want to work with you and everything. And then she told me the news later that I got through and I was getting published. So that was super exciting. That was back in November of last year. And then since then, it's been editing the book, numerous rounds of editing, getting ready for marketing, all of those kind of things. So basically every day as I learn things that are happening with publishing a book, it's all new to me, but it's super exciting. And I've loved this whole process. So you mentioned now that you're, you kind of made the jump now from your job as an engineer to doing this full time. Can you talk a little bit like what made you decide to take the leap where, where you're headed now? That's yeah, something. yeah, definitely. It was a very, very hard decision. And like I mentioned, I you know thought that you take a career and you pursue it and you know you just go with it. So that was really hard for me. I think for me, it was a really good combination of God, you know, gently nudging me to get out of my current role. My job was very overwhelming. Um, The last couple of months that I was in it, I was a global commercial programs manager at my company, which basically meant that I worked with people around the world. So I had 5 a.m. meetings with China and then I'd be, you know, having meetings with Europe, Latin America, and then be up late at night with Asia again. And I liked it, but just my time got less and less and less to have free time and actually work on my book and all these other things that were important to me. Like that just started going away. So 
thankfully God made it become enough of a struggle to show me like, maybe you should consider getting out of this, which is actually, you know, a good thing, even though it was terrible to go through. And then at the same time, I started speaking, I've slowly started sharing my book more, like I keep forgetting people are actually going to read it. (laughs) And just seeing like, after speaking to people, you know, them coming up and being like, hey, thank you so much. This is what I need to hear and stuff like that. I kind of realized like, why am I here on earth? It's not to make a bunch of money and make a rich company, like company richer or things like that. Like my reason to be here is to serve God and to spread his word and to encourage people and uplift people. And if I have the chance to do that, sure, I'm not going to be making as much money or, you know, having this prestigious career like I feel like I will in corporate America. But this other work is valuable. And maybe to the world, it seems weird to quit and, you know, leave a good career to do something like this. But I know God has plans for it and I can just trust him in it and see where it goes, whether it's one person reading my book or more and, you know, where it goes with future books and all of those things. I think I've just learned like God has way bigger plans for me than I ever expected. So I need to trust and leave some room for him to actually show me that instead of just deciding this is exactly how my life is going to go. So it was a hard decision, but I feel so relieved that I made it. And I'm so happy that I'm doing it. (laughs) So I know Tim and I both would consider ourselves songwriters as being our primary creative field. And I know for us, we've always got like, 12 ideas in the back of our head or in a notebook somewhere that like maybe we'll finish off someday or whatever. Is it is it the same way for you? Do you have a bunch of ideas for the next books you're going to write or do you kind of try to focus on one and be like, let me finish this one and then I'll think about the next one? Yeah, no, I definitely have a ton of ideas. And this book that's being published is not the first book that I started working on. I actually started working on a series in college that's a fictional series and going to be super long and super in-depth. But when I decided that I wanted to write a book, I wanted to do the first one as one that was just super about my faith and super straightforward and sharing, you know, as much as I could about my faith. So I thought that should be the first one. The other ones I want to be like Christian symbolic. And then I have some other nonfiction in mind as well. But it kind of changed in my mind where I was going to pursue writing these other fictional books. And then I realized like, nope, I've got this whole book already. Like I know the content that's going to go in it. So I should do this one first. I should figure out what it's like to actually get published, all of those things. And then I can apply it to the other ones as I go in the future. So yeah, there's a lot of ideas. I don't know, like I'm working on all of them (laughs) as I'm sure you guys are as well with songs. So I'll see as, as I move forward, like which one takes off the most and then try to pursue that one. But it's hard. And I think it's good to move back and forth between them because then your brain is like working on something. And then part of your brain's kind of thinking about the other thing and you go back to it and it's like, Oh, we figured out this problem we had. And I don't know. I like how that works. I get, if I'm too focused on something, it's like way too intense. So it's nice to move between the couple of things. You had mentioned also that part of your full-time authorship or whatever you want to call it, being an author, is you also do speaking. And um, I believe you have a website where you do blogs as well, right? Yes, that is correct. Yep. So I've spoken at mainly a bunch of different campus ministries. Um, I've spoken at MLC. I'm going to Madison Chapel next week, which I'm really excited about. And yeah, then I have a blog as well. So right now trying to keep the content flowing and speaking and all the different things that I didn't realize go along with being an author. 
For our listeners that may be curious to learn more about you or your blog or reach out about um, speaking or something like that, what's the best way for them to learn about you or reach out to you? Yeah, you can find me. I have a website that's hannahshimmerhorn.com. If you can't spell shimmerhorn, you can also do onlyasinglelife.com and it will take you to the (laughs) same place. Um, And then also I have social media. So I have Instagram, which is at onlyasinglelife and Facebook as well, which is at onlyasinglelife. But if you can spell my name, you might be able to find me that way too. So just just try a couple of things and, and you'll probably get there. <laughs> cool. Well, we definitely want to thank you so much for your time today and sharing a bit about your journey as an author and making that leap and getting all these things done and published. It's a great accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. And once again, for our listeners, let's have the title of your book and when it's coming out. Yeah, my book is called A Single Life to Live and it is coming out on Valentine's Day. So February 14th, 2023. Excellent. Thank you so much, Hannah, for your time. We are so happy to have you today. Thank you. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As we were saying in our intro, uh, we'd love to hear from you if you are working on a new project, whether it's a book or a song or an album or a painting or a series of things, whatever it may be, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, or if you have a friend who's working on it and they're too shy to reach out to us them, themselves, feel free to recommend them to us. We'll reach out to them for you. Or you can reach us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. There you can get some access to uh, some uncut footage from our podcasts and certain other bonus features as well. We truly appreciate all support there. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.